Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to Dwell a Cersei Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. I'm Emily Hill, and joining me are Karen Kern and Renee Mathis. Hi, friends. Hello. Nice to see you. Hey, everyone. Good to see you. So many of us moms are in different seasons and places of life, and perhaps you have little bitties and are still birthing children, or maybe you have grandchildren and your, or your empty nesters or have college-age kids. So as Karen, Renee, and I were kind of chatting through seasons and places, we were swapping stories and we realized that there's many things from our own histories that as we shared with each other's, we found helpful just to each other. And so after our very lovely conversation about Hannah Coulter and her her long and varied life and learning how to love um, intergenerationally and across times and seasons, we thought it might be kind of fun to just share a few things that perhaps we would, we ourselves would tell our younger selves. And, and then if we have time, um, we might throw out a couple answers to the question that was asked um, on the tail end of the co-op podcast of essentially what were the mistakes I made with running a co-op and would I be willing to share them? Absolutely. We'll take it away from there. Um, but Renee, it's so fun to hear your stories of when you were homeschooling your kids, just from littles to bigs. And now that you have adult children and grandchildren. So I would, I would love, how about this? Three things that you wish you had told your younger self, take it away. Oh boy. Um, okay. So to, to put this in context, I was, I was actually talking to my mom this morning and um, shout out to mom and dad who are celebrating their 60th anniversary. What? That's oh, awesome. They really have um, demonstrated Aww. amazing commitment to one another. And um, yeah, so we're excited for them. <clears throat> and I told her what we were talking about today. And 
And she said, your younger self, she said, Renee, you were born 30. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I can get out of this question then. And she said, no, remember when you were like four years old and I went in your room and you wouldn't go to sleep because you were really worried about something? (laughs) And I knew where she was going with this. And so she asked me, you know, Renee, what's on your mind? Why can't you sleep? And four-year-old me going on 30 said, because I really don't know if I want to have a big wedding or a small wedding. (laughs) (laughs) You were making plans. (laughs) I was planning. I I guess maybe I'm not so much a worrier as I am a planner. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, maybe I would tell younger me to don't worry about making all the decisions right now. (laughs) There will be a time and a place, but just, you know, just enjoy life right now and, and don't sweat the stuff coming up down the road because that's, that's for later. Right. I mean, the Bible tells us tomorrow will take care of itself. So, um, and then the second thing I thought about was because I am kind of in an empty nest season now, like you said, and, and it's a different season for my husband and I, um, I, I would go back and encourage my younger self and say, you are doing a good job at making your marriage a priority. And I would say that's one thing I'm thankful for. We, you know, we kept up with the weekends away and the date nights and the coffee dates. And and that's important, right? Because when your kids leave, you're still going to have a marriage and you're still going to have that husband. And, you know, hopefully you've been pouring into that and nurturing that marriage all along so that you don't find yourself like staring at the stranger all of a sudden going, you know, who are you and and who did I marry all those years ago? So um yeah, I, I would tell myself to keep that up. And just because I love to talk about books and things I've just recently read, I'm going to draw in a, a quick little short story recommendation kind of on that same subject. It's by Willa Cather. Super short. You can find it online, I'm sure. Um, and it's called The Sentimentality of William Tavener. And it is the story of a conversation between a husband and a wife. And I don't want to say much more than that. That's really the whole short, short story. It's not very long. It's about this conversation, but um, it kind of has to do with what I just said. So I recommend it. And um, wait, can you say what? Yeah. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah, I am too. What was it called? Willa, Willa Cather, the one yeah. who pioneers. Um, it's called The Sentimentality of William Tavener. And I believe that's T A V E N E R. Okay. I love Willa Cather. So I know. So do I. She's one of my favorites. It's good. Um, and so I guess the third thing would be um, <laughs> this is kind of tongue in cheek, but kind of not. Um, I wrote down stop trying to dress your daughters and let them dress you for a change. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the teenage years and so much angst and so much like, you know, are they being modest enough? Does this match? What will people think of me? But depending on, you know, how my kids look and I should have just let all that go. And and really, once I did and kind of like, you know what, they're on their own path and their own journey and and they make some really good decisions. And I mean, of course, I think my kids are all wonderful and like we all do. Um, and, and it's a lot of fun to just kind of invite them into my world a little bit and stop trying to micromanage their world, right? And there's a time when you just have to enjoy who they are and get to know them for these gifts that they are that God has given you and um, and realize how talented and, like I said, just, just wonderful that they are. And um, And it's kind of fun to see as they grow up how that gift just sort of unwraps itself. So... Um, yeah, spend time getting to know your kids and, and appreciating them. So, so this just like, popped into my mind. 
Can you, maybe both of you speak to this. I have teenage girls and I, this is a conversation I have with um, my peer group right now who are raising teenage girls. Um, and there, there's just like a little bit of angst of like what, what's okay to wear. And I know this is not where we were going to go today, but as you guys look back and now you have daughters where it's not even an issue. I mean, you're not like calling your girls up like, whoa, what I saw <laughs> you on Facebook. What did you have on? Um, like, it's probably just seems like a non-issue to you now with adult daughters of like what they wear. But when you're raising teenage girls, it is like, it is an issue and it is a conversation. And I think coming out, uh, this could be like a whole long thing, but um, whole podcast. <laughs> we yeah, yeah, like coming out of the last 30 years and things that have unfolded in that just maybe briefly, like in a couple sentences, like what would you say to moms who are raising teenage girls on that right now? When you said, don't dress your daughters, let them dress you. <laughs> Boy, um, Any like quick word? Quick word. Okay. Um, <laughs> <May not. laughs> there, are, there are certain standards that are hills to die on. So you have to figure out that in your family, but there are certain things that are absolutely not acceptable. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to go there because it's not my, my job to make your list, but on those things, it should be an understood part of your family culture that we don't do this. Beyond that, um, and, and I say that previously, that's out of respect for authority for their father, who is the leader of our family. It's out of respect for God and his standards about, it's out of respect for the fact that God made our bodies and they're precious and wonderful. Um, so, like I said, beyond that, every family has their own, um, how they're going to interpret that. But beyond that, you know, and, and I do wish I had, well, let me back up with my three girls who are very, very different, have very, very different body types. Um, I, I heard a, a friend last week talking about how she spoke to her seven-year-old daughter and who, her daughter happens to be on the tall side, not, you know, badly proportioned or anything, just tall and big. And, and she said, you know, God made you really strong and he made your strong legs able to help you go places and do things. And I thought, what a neat idea to focus on good characteristics instead of, oh, don't you wish you were skinny or don't you wish you were that, but to be thankful for what you are. Um, and I, I think that's something I wish I had done more of and, and actually vocalized and phrased it in those ways. I think that's, that's something we need in our culture right now. And um, it, it would be hard to raise girls in our culture right now for a whole lot of reasons. Um, I had one daughter with scoliosis. We spent a year dressing her around her back brace. And that was difficult. Um, just about the time clothes should be fun and wonderful. It, they were not. And mm -hmm. just leave that there. Um, and, and I had one daughter who didn't like to go shopping, still doesn't like to go shopping, I don't think. <laughs> but but she's she's kind of gravitated into her own style and and she's just delightful and and when i go visit her we have the she takes me around to her favorite vintage stores and we have a blast and she finds these treasures that it's just so much fun to see how, what she's grown up into my other daughter the really super artsy one um that can she's the one i call and and say this outfit is not working would you tell me why and she goes yeah because you need to break this up and break this up and put this color with this and, and she grabs a necklace off my shelf and all of a sudden it sings I'm like wow how'd you do that <laughs> so yeah um i don't know if that answered your question 
No, definitely. Karen, how about you with your, well, with your I girls? I don't really remember when they were teenagers, it being really, really a big deal. Things like modesty. I think both of them had a good sense that they wanted to be modest. And at the same time, they really, they enjoyed looking um, feminine and, you know, trendy as the styles would dictate at those periods of time. But I do remember, I do remember um, the role that Andrew could play in that with just a word or two, like, oh, you're going to go out like that? Like, I don't even think he'd say it like that. But that would just, all it would take for them to go back up the stairs. Yeah. No, and or if the brother said, oh, oh gosh, brother sport. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just, I, I just, I think that they respected the, those opinions so much that I don't really remember much conflict over it. I remember how fun it would be going shopping with them. And sometimes they would come out and I did have to, be very careful with my words or especially with my look because one of them particularly might say, what does that look mean? Like what look? Which goes that look. And like that, that conversation can still occur. Um, so you just have to be careful with, with expressions, but I, you know, I might say something like, Oh, well, you know, have to be careful with that or it's a little bit tight there or whatever. I think it's just when they know that you're not, you're not really wanting to engage in conflict over this. You just really want what's best for the best of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, this is this is what I'm hearing, and it actually is a really beautiful tag along to what um, Renee's thinks she would tell her younger self um, when he says, "Allow your daughters to dress you, not you dress them." It's not just about the clothes you're putting on; it's about the relationship that you have with them. Yeah. And that's what you're both saying of it really is. How are you connecting with them? And are there times to just be like, whatever. And, and I love that you're actually both saying, I don't really remember this or that, that you're not remembering just like the conflict over clothes because you, I mean, what I'm hearing is like, you both prioritize the relationship over just the clothes. Yeah, what's funny is we can look back at old photos, particularly of Larissa, because nothing ever matched and her socks never matched. And she always had some wacky costume on. (laughs) We're homeschoolers. And and now one of her daughters is the very same. So she'll walk in with like her shoes on the wrong feet and mismatched socks and like a top that doesn't at all match the bottoms. And it's just so delightful. I just I just love it so much. It's like it's okay. She'll you know, she's not going to be like this. I know. Before. It's like they, they yeah, figure it out. But mismatched socks and it, it's what it, it's endearing. So. Uh, well, thanks for letting me put you guys on the spot on that. That was like nowhere planned. So, <laughs> but wait, way led on to way. Yeah. So Emily, what are, what are your three things? Maybe as a segue to that, thinking about the relationship you have with others a a year or two ago a very uh, a wise person in my life um, encouraged me to speak a good word to my kids every day and so I I began that as a habit uh, I actually set a reminder on my phone at 2 p.m speak a good word to my son and it, it was kind of like born out of that of seeing the good so in order to speak a good word, you have to like look for the good. And I do 
see that. I mean, that was my younger self as two years ago. What if I'd have like backed that up 17 years ago and started that habit of speak a good word every day of looking for the good and wherever, whether it's your kids. Um, I I've started doing it with uh, my husband as well. I'm like, okay, every day, what is, what is my, what is my good word? So I would tell my younger self, just start that earlier of speaking a good word, looking for the good. Um, the second one that just, it really, it revolutionized my relationships. Uh, about 15 years ago, I was com truly complaining to someone about um, connecting with people and having good conversations and meaningful relationships. And they said to me, well, do you ask questions? And I said, no, I don't. And they said, well, maybe that's something you could try. So I, I literally came up with a list of like five or six questions. So when I get in a conversation and that was kind of like the beginning, um, and it's completely changed just how I connect with people. And I'm sure you all have been in that scenario where you go through an entire hour long conversation and that person never asked you one single thing about yourself. And, um, you just don't connect when that happens. So ask questions, learn to ask questions. If you need to like write down a list of them, but then the habit is born. And so then you start doing it. And the crazy things that happens is people just become so ridiculously interesting to you that then you just like the questions just one leads to another. And you're like, well, what about this? And tell me about this. I will say there's a, a caution in that. Um, I think I've shared this before, how my husband says I'm terrible at cocktail parties because my questions are like, tell me about your mother. What's your relationship with your father? Did you have a good childhood? So, I mean, not every question is appropriate for all occasions. So sometimes it's nice to be light of how do you meal plan? And how many of your kids are in braces right now? <laughs> Don't do that. That's super boring. Um, I heard so, someone say once you should, everyone has a dog bite story. So just ask them, have you ever been bitten by a dog? <laughs> I've never been bitten by a dog. Okay, there is a great one. Do you, like off the top of your head, do you guys have any like go-to questions? Like these are questions I ask. Hmm. I think I ask about where people live. Do they like living there? Where have they lived in the past? Where's their favorite place to live? Kind of gives them a chance to talk about their place and where they've been, and often that opens up into also talking about their families. Yeah. I'll ask about what they read. Yeah. What they read last. Yeah. I think my, my go-to is, if I'm talking to a guy, what's your dream job? No. Oh. If you could do anything in the world, what would it be? And then for a woman, I will ask, when your kids are grown and gone, what will you do? Like, what would you love to do with your life? And because there's so many like hopes and dreams that we do have that are wrapped up in our kids, but there's other things we love as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so actually that's a really fascinating one because you find out like, oh, I used to be a nurse or I used to be a massage therapist and I'd like to go back to it. Or I've always wanted to write a book and I think I will when my kids leave. And so all these like hidden things that people love come out in that. Um, so my third one is one that I am very ashamed to admit because I 
I told my younger self this and my younger self did not do it. And so then I still just like tell myself every year, it, this is a new year's resolution I had about 10 years ago. And I have it every single year. And the new year's resolution is take your vitamins every day and have more fun. And I feel like if you took your vitamins, maybe that would help you have more fun. So I, I'm just going to like keep telling myself that my younger self, my older self, take your vitamins and have more fun. So, um, and then I'm, I'm just, I'm going to throw in a fourth because I can. And the fourth one is when older people give you advice, you should take it. And I would tell my younger self that. And I tell myself that now as I um, am listening to both Karen and Renee share their stories. Like, oh, I should listen to that. And I can't tell you how many times, probably um, particularly with Karen coming out of some conversations we've had, whether it's parenting or marriage, that I will... This actually happened last night. I got in the scenario with one of my kids and I was like, Karen said X, Y, Z once upon a time. And then I actually like did the thing that she said that I would not have done by nature. So when older people give you advice and they're wise, which <laughs> both of you are, you should take that advice. So then I feel like I'm going to like put it to you, Karen, now. Now everyone listening who's younger is going to have to take like, like whatever you say, you're going to have to do now. Well, that's funny because my very first thing on my list was the thing that I would tell myself when I was young, having younger, when I had teenagers in my house. And that was the thing that I told you that you did last night, judging by a story that you told us before we recorded. And that is, and I'm, and I have to preface this by saying, I'm telling this to my younger mom self who had teenagers in that I'm a nine on the Enneagram and anybody out there who's a nine knows that peace is your favorite thing ever to just have peace in the house and no conflict because conflict makes you anxious and conflict is all terrible to a nine which is not true ultimately and so I would go back and tell myself that it is okay and even good to engage in conflict and say the hard things when they need to be said to your teenager, because you only have those years to say the things. And once they've moved out of the house and they're married, um, their spouse might have to say those things. And it would have been better if you'd said those things. So say the things in love. And even if it requires conflict, go ahead and say them and have the hard conversations because it's your job and, um, and because it's really actually okay if for a little while your teenager doesn't like you. And um, I'm sure that I'm sure I did those things um, even though I like peace, but I, I think that I could have been more pointed in at times and more direct. So it's one of my things. Um, Another thing I would tell my younger self uh, is also, I guess, related to having teenagers is don't make it your job to prevent your child from experiencing pain or failure because pain 
is part of pain and suffering is part of life and failure is part of life. And don't be hand wringing and give them any reason to think that you don't think they're confident enough or you're not confident in their ability to work through things. Um, and instead say, you can deal with this and I'll be here, but you can deal with this. And this is a problem I'm you're making. So go ahead and fix it or go ahead and say the things you need to say to that other person or go ahead and pay for the car that you total because we're not going to pay for it. You know, like there's just a lot of, a lot of times when your kids just going to mess up and they just have to work through it sometimes by themselves. And then, um, third thing I would tell my younger self is don't despair in the hard seasons and um, do the work that the hard season requires with faithfulness and love, but don't think it's always going to be like this. You know, don't think when you're young and, and you barely have enough money to get through the month that it's always going to be like this. Or don't think when you're tripping over toys or you have toddlers crying at night or, you know, you have one more kid to get through driver's ed and you're at the end of your resources and your, you know, your time, that it's always going to be like this because it's not. Or, or hard seasons in your marriage. You know, you do the work and you come into good seasons in time. So those are my three things. And um, Emily, um, you, you were asked the question about um, what would you do in your co-op? And the reason that we want to probably share this now is, shall I make the announcement? <laughs> on your behalf is that you are actually moving on to other things and um you know i love you so much and i know that one of the things you have had to learn to do is to say no to things and to use your time wisely and your resources wisely and so um you are going to not continue after today with our podcast on a regular basis. And we will have you on as a guest. You know, Renee and I will continue. We'll have people on. We'll do some just the two of us. And we'll really, 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 really miss you. But we do love you. And so we know that you cannot do all the things. And so this is the one thing that you can look for. So maybe, that's, maybe that's the advice that's I am I'm taking I from you Karen. Can't you can't do all the things. You can't really do all the things. So, but you were asked the question about the co-op question. So that would be a really great thing. The very last advice you're going to say is all the things you should have done differently. I know. It's like here, here in my, my final hurrah um, on the podcast is all the mistakes I made in a co-op. I know. And <laughs> it's real <laughs> though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Um, and I, I actually am really happy to, and, and honestly, um, the reason that I am stepping out of the Dwell podcast is because of the, the hybrid school program that I do run. And we just recently purchased a 27 and a half acre property that has forests and woods and fields and a little dry seasonal pond because we live in Colorado. And we have a forest school and an upper classical school with a focus on the outdoors and nature um, through a classical lens. So it's a really 
just full-time, all-time job. Um, and it's turned into a lot. And I'm out there every day working on the land and it's beautiful. We're going to have greenhouses and animals and um, it will be a really awesome place. But it does require some focused attention. And when we were talking about me sharing some of the mistakes I made in running a co-op and hybrid program. I, I said jokingly, like the mistakes I made last week or like 10 years ago where I started or like when, which, which level of mistakes are we talking about here? Um, so I jotted down a couple bullet points that I'm really happy to share, especially if any of you are thinking through starting a co-op or a hybrid program and if you're kind of curious on that, we did do a couple podcasts on that where we talked specifically together about um, really making sure you know what your vision and mission is. Obviously, that's a really big thing. Um, know what you're starting. Like my own program is, it's kind of a unique niche program with this outdoor nature forest school focus while pulling in Charlotte Mason and the classics. It's just kind of a holistic it's a little bit unusual, but that's our, our vision and mission. And we live in Colorado. It really works. We've got like crunchy, wild, free people. That's what we do. That's who we are. So know who you are for sure. It took, um, it took me a few years to settle into that of who am I? And so there was a little angst from people who are a little bit more classical or a little bit more crunchy. And so really settling with yourself first, if you are the person leading this group, what, like, what kind of co-op do I want to lead? So start at the beginning with that and then work with the people you love or choose to love the people you work with. You're not running a full-time school or a charter school. It's extremely relational. We're homeschool moms. And there's just a very relational side of that. So if you don't think you can work with someone, you probably shouldn't. It's not like in another career path that you're just like, well, it's my coworker, so I have to make the best of it. Um, have a very small core group of people and then heavily invest and communicate your, you've got their back, that you are there for them, invest in their training in their education um, that we sent a group of teachers and moms administrators to Circe this year, really just wanting to communicate. It matters to us that you have training, that we're all on the same page. Um, if financially that's not an option, um, it's easy to create relational investment, even through, hey guys, let's go out for dinner together. Um, and keeping that core group, knowing that, how should I say, they have a seat at the table and that their voice and their opinion matters. So work with the people you love or choose to love the per people you work with. Um, from day one, we had a no gossip policy and we actually just haven't had a lot of drama in any of our school uh, co-op hybrid, I say school, take it as you want, um, programs, because we don't talk about each other behind each other's back. And that was like a really, we had one conflict that happened between a couple moms personally. Um, and one of them came to me and was like, Hey, this, um, and we're like, I'm like, this is a really hard situation, but it just can't come into the school. And I think that's so important just to, um, 
give a great honor to one another, acknowledging the goodness of the work each mom is doing. Homeschooling is really hard. It's a very hard thing to do. And one of the mistakes that I made and I'm growing in this is as you're walking along the road with these moms, look to see how you are the same, not how that family is different from you. And you'll be really surprised by how similar you are. So instead of like, oh, wow, this mom drives me crazy because of this, or they want to do this curriculum and who in their right mind would ever do that curriculum? Um, Like consciously, maybe it's back to the speak the good word, right? Like tell yourself, all right, how is that family the same as my family? And then what I've seen happen is it unites me to them instead of divides me against them. So when I purposefully look for ways that we're the same, um, it does draw us together. And if you're not together in a small group like that, it's like all hell breaks loose. It's not good. Um, and on top of that, just give, give those mamas and kids the benefit of the doubt. Um, when you are running a program and other homeschoolers are bringing their kids into it, honestly, sometimes those kids drive you crazy and you're like, I don't like those, that person's kids very much. And it's, unless you're running a teeny tiny co-op, you don't always have a say in, you don't always have like an an enrollment form. That's like, here's a test you have to pass whether or not I like your kids. And if I like your kids, I'll let them in. If I don't like your kids, I won't. Um, So there will always be kids that perhaps you hold a greater affection or less for. And I just say that like candidly, but learning to see the the beauty and the image of God in those kids. Um, And then I'll just wrap it up. This was the the last three things, quick bullet points that um, I say for last, because it's probably the most, the biggest mistake I made and the most important thing. How's that? I made the biggest mistake and the most important thing. Remember that school will not save your kids or your friend's kids or anybody's kids. And it's just school and you're doing a good work. And like, you should be proud of that. And I'm actually, I will say like, I'm proud of you for starting a program and doing the hard thing. But remember, like it, it doesn't save our kids. It is just a good work that we're called to. The next one is if you're stressed, slow down, just slow down a little bit. That's the hardest one by far. That's the hardest one for me. Um, when I'm stressed, I do it double. I'm like, I'm stressed, so I have more to do. So I should do twice as much. Um, And then some very wise advice that I was told by um, a spiritual father was keep your eye on your marriage and your motherhood. And are you giving it your first or your last? Does it get like the first fruits of your energy and your affection? Or does it receive after you've done all your enrollment and you've gotten your families and you've picked your curriculum and you've hired your teachers or figured out who's doing what. And then at the end of the day, are you like, all right, okay, I've got to homeschool these kids of mine also. And that was, that was a shift for me. I was like, oh, put that first. That's the first thing. And actually for most of us, it's literally why we're starting a co-op or running a hybrid school was for our kids. So if they are getting the tail end of that, um, whether that's in 
reading aloud to them or just sitting and chatting with them or making meals, like whatever it is, all those mom things that we've talked about and you guys all know. Um, and actually our hearts know. Our hearts just mm -hmm. tell us where we should be. So um, I think those were, honestly, those were some of the main mistakes I made of, um, which are very relational because actually co-ops and hybrid programs are extremely relational. Um, so just, I would say, just keep that in mind. Um, you're doing a good work, um, but just keep your eye on, on the prize. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. I love, I, I think everybody will appreciate your honesty as well. And, you know, your advice and your experience. Renee, do you want to jump in here? Yeah, I just, I echo everything you've said. I mean, I, we've all been there. They're all very good, wise words. We're going to miss you. I hope you have your Dwell coffee cup at home so you can uh, sit down and join us sometimes in spite of your busy schedule. But um, yeah, we wish you the best. And uh, thank you for all you've poured into this podcast over the last several months, years. Thank you to Karen and Renee. I, I said that maybe a little jokingly when I said, when older people give advice, take it. And, but that was, that is my word of thanks um, to you for offering your wisdom um, into my life. Like not just in a like mentoring way, but in a true friendship and a way that has shifted the way I practically am a mother and a wife. So my thanks to you and I will be around. You will be around. We won't let you go. Good thing. That's right. So, all right. So, until next time, here's to home. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.